This is Voice America Business. Welcome to The Quantum Leap Catalyst with Terry Ostroviak. In the next hour, Terry and his guests discuss how to accelerate your business success and turn possibility into certainty. So turn up your speakers and hold on. Here's your host of The Quantum Leap Catalyst, Terry Ostroviak. Good morning, everybody. This is Terry Ostroviak speaking to you from San Diego in the United States. Our subject this morning is leadership in business. And so what we're going to be discussing is how to create environments that allow people to use their strengths and creativity, the importance of trust in business. We're going to be talking briefly about effective delegation and how to get out of the way and how to become a positive source for change, another area that is vitally important and an area that my guest this morning will discuss briefly with us and actually to some extent in depth is going to be on emotional intelligence, often called EQ, as opposed to IQ. So what I'd like to do right now is just introduce him. He has a Bachelor of Science in Management from San Diego State University, 30 years of experience working in and with a variety of businesses. He has taught courses in management, leadership, organizational behavior at Cal State University in San Marcos and various other business courses and has a Ph.D. as well um, from a university in, in, in the California area. So I'd like you to welcome this morning Dr. Scott Clark, a businessman in South Africa. I mean in America, sorry, just for one moment. Right, Scott, are you there? Hi, Terry. Good to be with you. Wonderful. So, Scott, in talking about our subject today, let's talk about uh, leadership in business particularly, and let's tie in what we mean by emotional intelligence, first of all. What is emotional intelligence? Well, emotional intelligence is um, basically how people handle themselves in their relationships um, as indicated by um, a collection of competencies that, um, were, that have been labeled uh, self-awareness, self-management, and uh, social competencies such as social awareness and relationship management. Obviously, there's a relationship between all of those, but um, that's the collection. Now, there are several sub-dimensions of those, and they need some explaining, but those are the general categories. Right, and so when we talk about the difference between IQ and EQ, what is that distinction? Well, um, uh, EQ is, um, is developmental in nature. It's something that can be changed. IQ tends to be stable over time. And uh, uh, for the most part, uh, when people's IQ early in life is basically the same uh, at uh, at the end of their life. Uh, EQ normally does improve because uh, it changes as we mature. But um, it's not necessarily the, 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 the same case with, with IQ. So um, IQ stands for intelligence quotient, in other words, a measure of intelligence. Right. And, and EQ is just a takeoff of the IQ term. Uh, some authors prefer to use the term EI, emotional intelligence, which is intelligence, which is really probably more correct and sounds a little better. But uh, uh, right. EQ so on a day-to-day basis, Scott, what is it? How does it reflect? How does it show up when we talk about intelligence? Emotional intelligence. Well, if, if we focus on, on leadership and, and EQ, 
um, EQ explains most of the success in leadership in terms of leadership effectiveness. Uh, some studies have shown that EQ actually uh, contributes 80% of the competencies that distinguish outstanding leaders from, from simply average leaders. The uh, difference so are you suggesting are you suggesting in some ways that if a leader has got a high uh, emotional intelligence, let's say, or is very competent in the area of intel- emotional intelligence, even if their intelligence in general, the intelligence quotient is high, they score highly on intelligence, they might not necessarily be as successful as they would be with emotional intelligence. That's, that's a good way to explain it. Um, okay. With a high IQ, when entering the leadership ranks, uh, doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be successful. They need a different skill set than what IQ provides. Um, IQ is very important, and uh, but but some people think of it as being an entree. It's uh, it's a way uh, through the door, through the leadership door, but it doesn't necessarily ensure success. So it's those folks who have a reasonably uh, high IQ and a very high de- highly developed uh, EQ that are normally the most effective leaders in our organizations. So are you suggesting then that EQ is a learnt area and uh, IQ is something that we're essentially born with, although I have seen studies that suggest that even IQ can be increased Certainly. over our lifetimes? Absolutely. I'm, I'm sure not an, an expert on, on, um, on IQ development, but um, uh, I've seen the same literature, I'm sure, and IQ certainly can change. EQ can change dramatically, however, and because it's so developmental in nature, that, uh, that's what makes it so exciting. People can improve with, uh, with enough effort. Um, so course, in a sense, is this an esoteric art, something that's, uh, you know, that is mysterious or hidden, or is it something that just about anybody could acquire relatively easily? Well, I won't say it's easy. Uh, any, any, uh, any time a person goes through significant change, particularly in the areas of uh, personal awareness, an awareness of others, uh, uh, developing a sense of empathy, which is a very big part of EQ, particularly when it comes to leadership. It's uh, it's not an easy process. The um, uh, probably the, the best way to do that is to engage the, the services of uh, of someone like yourself. You know, an experienced coach, someone who knows their way around business. I mean, in your case, uh, I mean you you've been a business person virtually all your life. You've run businesses. You've helped other people run businesses. You've coached many people during your career, and that type of insight is very valuable here. Plus, having the skills and understanding of what EQ is all about would uh, would allow you to help somebody immensely. So that's probably the best thing to do. Um, first, so that would be the that would be the fast track. In fact, that would be um, well. I'd, I'd say it's probably the the only track that's going to make sense. Uh, you could do it on your own, I guess. As as, um, as you're indicating, but it would be it would take a lot of effort, and uh, most people uh, probably aren't going to want to spend the time to do that, especially when they can they can uh, they have this other route at their disposal. Uh, the uh, the process of learning is that uh, uh, you need to be very much in tune with uh, with yourself. You need a, a strong image of of your ideal self, 
and an accurate picture of who you are uh, today as, as, you know, your real self, if you will. And uh, then structure uh, an intentional effort to to change. And this is where, uh, and your favorite term, of course, is a catalyst can come into play and uh, and be so valuable. Someone who uh, is is close to the situation but not so close as to lose their objectivity. Someone who cares a lot about uh, uh, the process of personal change and um, is very interested and capable of guiding people through that process. Can you give us some examples for a moment of what you would say a person would look like or show up in a business like uh, with, let's say, high EQ skills? What would they be doing differently? Yes. Well, um, it's, it's, maybe it's, it's useful to contrast a, a high EQ person with a person who hasn't developed that part of themselves um, in the realm of leadership style. Right. We're, we're, all, we're all familiar with, uh, because we've all probably worked in organizations that have as their basis the commanding style, sometimes referred to as command and control sometimes referred to as the directive style. Um, and the reason it's so, it's so uh, popular and still common in organizations these days is, just to state the obvious, is that it's, it's very efficient. <laughs> it's, uh, it gets the job done. Uh, it, it often, in my opinion, and in the opinion of many others, uh, uh, results in a, a suboptimal, if you will, uh, performance level for the organization and certainly for the individuals. It also negatively affects the quality of work life for people, and uh, and can and is and is really unnecessary, particularly in um, in this day and age where so many good tools are available, such as the tool of, uh, of developing one's EQ. On the other end of that spectrum, on the other side, if you will, of, uh, of the command and control approach, is what has come to be known as uh, as transformational leadership. Yeah, what happens in that case? Inspired leadership, if you will. Yes. And, and that is, uh, in my view, EQ in action. Uh, so when, that, when there's a culture in an organization of real inspiration, then that makes a difference. In a little while, we'll be going to a break. So I just uh, briefly just want to make, maybe in one sentence, you could just talk about uh, what is, what is the, the, that distinction again. In an organization where there's high intelligence, um, very intellectual sort of uh, environment, as opposed to one with an inspirational environment, what is the effect on the on the, on the workers? Oh, it's it's immense. I mean, uh, effective leaders with, with highly developed EQ um, have as their as their mission in the organization, if you will, to inspire hearts and minds and model and instill passion. They right. uh, they create meaning within the organization. And, right. And they make sure that people are are attuned with the organization, and they are in turn attuned with the needs of the individuals. So in a sense, there's a, there's a real connection. So we'll be going to this break in a moment, and we'll be talking about some examples uh, that exist in organizations with high EQ, and also what happens when it breaks down. So uh, when we finished our break this morning, would you uh, come back to us and listen to these exciting examples? And then we'll also talk about how do we manage to get EQ injected into our businesses, whether they're small or whether they are large. So we'll be going into a break right now, and we'll come back in a moment to discuss these. 
examples that uh, apply to our to our situations. Thanks, Scott. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the second part of the show this morning. Uh, I'm talking with my guest, Dr. Scott Clark, and we're discussing leadership in business, and particularly we're focusing on emotional intelligence, sometimes called EI, sometimes called EQ for emotional quotient, just like IQ, intelligence quotient. And we're talking about how we can introduce uh, intelligence or emotional intelligence into even small businesses. And as um, was mentioned a moment ago, if any of you would like to phone in or even email in to uh, QLCAT, Terry at QLCAT.com, I'll be able to pick up your email and uh, I can respond to you. So feel free to do that this morning. Scott, let's just go back for a moment and talk about some examples that occur uh, with emotional, with organizations with emotional intelligence. I remember at one time, I'm just going to use one myself first and then I'd like to ask you about a couple. I was working in the Netherlands at one stage. I was working with one of the largest accounting companies in the world and uh, they asked me to work with young high potentials that had been brought into the organization. Every single one of them had the necessary degrees to, to enter into the auditing and accounting field. But when we discussed further about their development and the career tracks that they should be on, we talked about how do you ever make the level of partner in the organization. Mm-hmm. And we came to the conclusion that even although people might have done extremely well in their university studies, their college studies, and uh, might have passed all those exams and may even be doing an outstanding job in auditing, the only way that they would ever reach higher levels in the organization was by adding another element into their repertoire of skills. And that element actually has to do with how do they connect with clients and how do they connect with each other and what kind of leadership ability do they show. And the most important thing of all was how how persuasive could they be in even inviting clients to look at additional services? Now, most auditors and most accountants would shy away that, from that immediately. But the reality of the world today is that unless we are able to be persuasive, unless we have good communication skills, unless we have very good attitudes and we can engage people in what we're doing and create a sense of... Um, of uh, inspiration, as you called it a while ago, inspire people to want to do more, those people quickly found out that they didn't have a a long-term future in the organization. They would just be doing a job. So that's very important. Um, Somebody's just called in. Uh, We have, uh, funnily enough, somebody by the name of Scott from Minnesota. And maybe, Scott, you've got some ideas or something that you want to discuss this morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. I got a a, a question, I guess. Maybe uh, your guests can help out a little bit. Um, I work for a high-tech company and run uh, run a marketing department um, for a Fortune 500 company. I mean, I took the day off uh, because I'm really frustrated with the employees in my group. Uh, They seem really lethargic. I can't seem to motivate them. Everything, I've tried the one-minute manager approach. Uh, everything I do just doesn't seem to work, and it's just really frustrating. Uh-huh. So they, it sounds, Scott, like they are um, 
they're actually creating the, the, the atmosphere or the culture in your organization. And that must be tremendously frustrating for you. Let's, let's ask our guest today, Scott Clark, to, Dr. Scott Clark, to talk a little bit about that. Have you ever had the experience of uh, people in a, in, a, in a group doing this kind of thing? Oh, my goodness, yes. Scott, um, uh, Scott I certainly understand uh, what you must be going through. Uh, very frustrating. But um, what my, my experience has been, and, uh, and the literature, literature supports this, that when you see a situation such as you just described, lethargic people who um, are not, uh, and I think this is a real key word here, who are not engaged in uh, achieving the vision of the organization, if you will, uh, it's, it's usually reflective as opposed to being uh, uh, something that it has just developed within within that group. Not always, but um, I think that's that's the norm. So you might look at the larger picture of, of what's going on in the organization, maybe uh, one or two levels above your organization in the hierarchy, perhaps, and um, ask yourself if, if there isn't something happening there that could be influencing your group. And I think that's going to be instructive uh, in that it might allow you to then conclude that uh, if this thing is going to change, it's got to happen within your uh, smaller group. And perhaps you can develop a, a subculture, if you will, kind of a microculture that is perhaps counter to the larger culture of the organization, but uh, where you can develop that, uh, that vibrant, engaged group that, uh, that you're obviously uh, uh, wanting to do. And, oh, uh, little light bulbs going off. Um, hmm? We, uh, you know what happens culturally in high tech? How uh, uh, you you hear the rumor mill start that there's going to be layoffs. Didn't hit the quarter right. Uh, you know what? It looks like there's a direct correlation between um, between what what happens in my group. Sure. Uh, oh, yes. Those how how do I insulate? This is the question. How do I insulate uh, the people in my organization that are supposed to be all charged up? They're a marketing group. And, sure. You, know, you get a marketing group that gets depressed or, or distracted, It's that, that's about as bad as it can get for an organization. Yes. I mean, in a sense, Scott, uh, one of the things, obviously, that one of the big challenges, I presume, that you've got right now is that you have to become the catalyst. Um, when I, I when hear people ask me what a catalyst is, sorry, just for a moment, I just want to just mention this point. When we talk about the word catalyst, you know, some people are not really sure exactly what it means, but I liken it to that definition of synergy, and the definition of synergy is one plus one is equal to three. So, in a sense, you probably have to step up to the plate, I imagine, and uh, take control of that situation rather than hope that they will just come to their senses and start behaving like... Um, more adult people and not uh, just waiting for somebody to lead them. But the reality probably is that you have to do something yourself. Is that true? Uh, it, it sure feels that way. I mean, I feel like a cheerleader most of the time, you know, just trying to rally people that are concerned about their futures. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's good. I think that's, that, I think you're on the, on the right track. That's my, my instinctive kind of reaction here. Um, you... Being a marketing department in, high, in a high-tech organization and, uh, and doing this for a while, you must have had some uh, pretty significant successes over, uh, over recent times. Is that, is that not true? 
Yeah, yeah, new, some new product rollouts, some, uh, you know, major new accomplishments and new programs. That well, well, one of the things that you might do, in, in, in case uh, this might have just gotten overlooked, sometimes the obvious is, uh, is easily overlooked, is, uh, is remind people that, uh, of those successes and, uh, and maybe go back and, and celebrate them. And uh, we all need, need boosts to, and reminders that, you know, we've, we've, we, we really do have some great capabilities here, great skills. It's a great team. And let's not let these uh, rumors get us down. Let's uh, remind ourselves who we are and what we're capable of. Let's, uh, let's uh, renew our resolve to be engaged in the organization's vision. Here's a question for you, Scott. Does the organization have a vision statement that uh, you would say uh, resonates with uh, people within the organization? Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, perhaps this is an opportunity for you uh, in that uh, it may be, I mean, coming up with a vision statement for the organization may be, may be more than you feel is appropriate for you to try to do, but you can certainly come up with a vision statement uh, for your group that you think yeah. will mesh well with a, with a, with a well-developed, vision statement for the organization, should one... Uh, and I imagine, uh, Dr. Clark, as well, I'm going to call you Dr. Clark, because the two Scots we're talking to this morning, uh, what, uh, what Scott would do in Minnesota is probably engage them in developing that vision statement so that they buy into it. Absolutely. That's a good point, Gary. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and that gave me an idea, too. Um, uh, I've been uh, probably remiss. I guess we used to have, like, this wall of... Uh, Success. We used to post all the great press releases and product sheets and uh, cool rollout programs. That's what you called the Wall of Fame. Yeah, and we we just been I just been collecting this stuff in a in a bucket. Uh, maybe it's time to get that back out. You know, oh yeah, you got a great opportunity there. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe that'll help. And 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 uh, Terry, uh, Terry's point just a little bit further. Getting your group engaged in the development of your of your group vision statement, I think will will pay big dividends. You get a marketing group turned on to something like that and to build that energy, uh, they're going to do wonders things. Uh, the energy used to be there. I mean, I worked in the group as just a uh, myself. I've been there for eight years now, um, and I rose to the you know to managing the group, and I I know what what it used to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure that you've had those experiences. We're going to go into a break in a moment, Scott. So I want to thank you very much for calling in. If you no do problem. want to talk to me, thank you. If you do want to talk to me again, just go to my uh, website, Terry. Uh, or in fact, it's qlcats.com. But if you want to send me an email, you can do that actually through the website too. And okay. uh, I certainly will get back to you, and we can talk more about that. Uh, thank you. you. Found, that, found that helpful today? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Nice 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 the show. Thanks very much for calling in, Scott. Bye-bye. Good. So, um, Dr. Clark, now I can call you Scott again for a moment. (laughs) Uh, Those are the kinds of examples, and it's amazing when we talk about low emotional intelligence what that effect is. We've just got a few moments before the break, and when we come back, maybe we'll examine that and analyze it just a little bit more, and we'll think about some other things. And if Scott's still on the line, which I'm sure he will be, We'll be able to give him some other ideas on it. So let's go to our break, and we'll be back in a few moments. Sounds good. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the 
third part of our show this morning. My guest is Dr. Scott Clark. He's a businessman in San Diego and has lectured for many years at a couple of universities on leadership in business. And we just had a caller in a moment ago, Scott, who asked us some questions about um, about EQ in his business. And uh, Scott had a had an idea that he just wanted to just share with us. On, in doing an analysis, uh, Dr. Clark, what what was it that you recognised that would be vitally important for mm-hmm. Scott to implement in Minnesota? Well, just a, a brief summary. Of what Scott, Scott from Minnesota was mentioning to us, he works in a, a large. Um, Company, high tech company, and yes. there are uh, he he heads the marketing group. There's rumors uh, floating around the company that there may be layoffs, that um, certain parts of the company may not be doing that well, and the rumors are distracting people. They're the lethargic. They're not energized, and uh, I think we've most of us have, have seen this in action uh, at one type or another during our our career. So I can certainly understand uh, where he's coming from. And uh, the point I think that needs to really be made here is that one of the really key functions of a leader is to uh, to contain anxiety, particularly at times like this when uh, people are very concerned about uh, the future of the organization, their uh, uh, the the uh, their ability to hold on to their jobs, uh, hold on to that paycheck, and uh, and particularly if they care about the organization. The, um, the leader needs to really focus on that, and we we had some. Yeah, it's a huge challenge, isn't it, Scott? When you think about it, that a, that a manager in thick and thin or under under duress has to constantly have a smiling face. I mean, even although in many countries that would be seen as, funny enough, insincere to have an insincere smile, but sometimes an insincere smile is better than a than a sincere grouch. In an organization, yeah. I'm not suggesting we should be insincere for one moment, but we do have to maintain a level of optimism constantly, right. and that's the challenge of every manager. I just wanted to mention right now, we just had an email coming in from uh, Israel, interestingly, and uh, the the person that's wrote, wrote it in is Ilan from Israel. He says, uh, my question is, how can we deal with EQ uh, especially with a group manager in a bank that doesn't even understand what EQ is about and tends to work like he did 23 to 30 years ago. And his major question is, how do we start to develop an understanding about EQ, let alone implement it? Any yeah. ideas on that? Um, Ilana, uh, thanks for the question. It's a great question. And uh, we see it in organizations all the time. Um, one way you might consider, it obviously depends on, on how open this person would be to, to new ideas. Um, obviously, some bosses are more open than others. But, um, you know, buying a, um, a good book on a subject, and there are a number of them, of them out there, uh, I could recommend uh, uh, Primal Leadership by uh, Daniel Goleman and uh, two co-authors, uh, Richard Boyatzis and Annie McKee, uh, done in, in a really excellent way. A nice summary of EQ and talks about the importance of, of leaders developing resonance within their organizations as opposed to leaders developing dissonance, uh, resonance resulting in people feeling inspired, energized, committed, and a key word for me is engaged, the engaged person, engaged in, in uh, furthering the interests of the organization, 
Scott, you've been doing a lot of this in, in, in the business that you're in right now. How do you get people engaged on a day-to-day level? Engaged. You know, it comes down to, and that's going to, and thanks, Terry, because I was leading up to um, uh, uh, a key, what to me is a key point here, and that is the relationship the leader has with the people uh, under that leader, that report to that leader. And if the relationship is good and healthy, um, professional, but close, and people have a trust for that leader, there's going to be a basis for dialogue. And uh, and that's when, if you if you enjoy that kind of relationship with this person, perhaps uh, presenting them with some some of the ideas from a good book, an authoritative source, if you will, the role that a good book can play, adds credibility to what you're saying, particularly if they really don't know anything about the topic. If it's something maybe you can you, you can consider. There's certainly some you know what I'm thinking about. I, I know from uh, queries that I had, or comments, or emails that came in from uh, last week's show where we talked about um, quantum leap results in businesses. There are many people from overseas listening. I had uh, messages even from Indonesia and from uh, New Zealand and people in the UK and the Netherlands uh, writing in. I'm not sure that everybody is as open to reading stuff like this um, as much as it, it is prevalent in the United States. So let's look for a moment at some simple actions that we could take that would get people more engaged. What are some of the steps we'd have to go through, Scott? Well, uh, let's focus on the term engagement and uh, yes. uh, suggest that Ilan might think about uh, where, uh, where that group is. Yes. Would it take what – would, what would constitute engagement? What would people do we'd be actually doing if they were engaged? And from that, determine what the manager, this person with the 23 years of experience who doesn't seem to be too aware of the, the of topics such as EQ, what that person could be doing to foster that uh, activity or behavior that would uh, that would show this level of engagement that uh, that we're after yes. here. And if you know, as, uh, sorry, carry on. Oh, I was just going to add, and then and then. Uh, Find a way to present that information to the, yes. to the manager. Again, we don't know how open that manager is going to be to these kind of suggestions. Exactly. If he's doing the same thing he did 23 to 30 years ago, he's probably doing the same things now, and he's comfortable with that. Right. Yes. And uh, it's, it's very difficult to move in a different direction. I know that um, from, the, from being a catalyst to organizations, I've got a feeling that in a situation like that, they've never even heard the t- term EQ or EI, uh, emotional intelligence, and maybe just we just have to reveal it to somebody and say, this is an essential factor in leadership. If we don't have that, nothing's going to happen. Yes, and what we did 23, and that's what I was 23 years ago is not going to work right now. <laughs> sometimes we have to do what we call a positive confrontation. There you and go. explain to people that uh, what worked originally is not going to work now, and that we have to look at new ways of doing things. Right. And if the, and if the line doesn't feel comfortable... Uh, maybe going to that step at this point. Uh, I've, I've got to believe that the manager is going to understand this idea of engagement. Yes. And, and, and maybe approaching it that way and then have that be an entree into, oh, by the way, uh, you know, there's, a, there's this developing uh, practice uh, uh, out there now that's uh, called emotional intelligence. And, yes. uh, and, and, and you might want to check this out. 
It's, 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 you know, the other interesting thing about it, Scott, that, I, that I've recognized over the years is that it's very difficult for people internally in organizations to change things. Mm-hmm. And it's vitally important in many instances to have an outside catalyst to come in. Well, that would certainly be a role that you could play in a situation like this. Yes, and I'm not just using it as a sales point for myself, but I am suggesting that's the only way it works. I know that uh, even personally, if I need to change things, even in my personal life, I work much better when I'm working with a person, an objective outside catalyst that helps me to see things from a different perspective. It's almost impossible when we're up to our eyeballs in, in, in a swamp with crocodiles snapping away at us to think about the logical things that we should be doing. Yeah, because absolutely. the only thing we're thinking about is survival at that moment. And, and we're also grateful when we have somebody who cares enough about us to to bring right. us to our attention. Yes, and, and really that's what I'm suggesting. So from a practical point of view, we probably do need to talk to an, an objective outside person, like Scott calling in a little bit earlier in our show as well and recognizing that, Sometimes we don't have all the answers ourselves at that moment. We do have to have a fresh look at things. I lived in the Netherlands for about 12 years, and they used an expression there that I, that I always appreciated. They called it getting a helicopter view of a situation. In other words, being able to look at it dispassionately from a top, from a to- on top and being able to see it with all its different dimensions, good and bad. And it's very difficult to do that when we're, when we're totally subjectively involved. And, for instance, people in small businesses have that same situation. They're just worrying about how are we going to pay the bills this month. I know when I was running my businesses, I remember, I remember how I used to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning in my small business and, and constantly be thinking to myself, how can I help my people uh, have... Um, have make more money and have a, have a better life. And many times I even had the feeling that I was worrying more about their futures than they were worrying about their careers and futures. They were happy to finish at 5 o'clock and go off and do the things outside of the job that they wanted to do. But yeah, not you didn't have that luxury. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have that luxury. But not only was I worried about that for myself, how am I going to pay the bills this month, how am I going to get more clients, how am I going, how am I going to balance my cash flow for this month, uh, that's that's the challenge of people in small businesses. So when we talk about emotional intelligence at that point. That really is cha- challenging to be able to separate separate ourselves from the anxiety. That's the word you used earlier. The anxiety that we have in the business on the one hand, and how do we uh, unemotionally, in a sense, even though we talk about it as emotional intelligence, unemotionally look at what needs to be done, even in a crisis. Absolutely. No, I think it. Uh, I think the the emotional side is very important. But but um, to, uh, to to carry your idea just a little bit further, we don't want those emotions to be disruptive. We want them to be constructive uh, yes, in every regard. Exactly. And and, and the emotional intelligence and is back constructive to the, emotions. Going back to the main dimensions of um, emotional intelligence, at least in in the uh, in the current literature, I think it's useful here. Is um, the summary again is is uh, self awareness, self management social awareness, and relationship management. We haven't really talked too much about uh, those categories, but, but maybe uh, it would be uh, helpful to Alon and perhaps others to uh, spend a little bit of time doing that. Uh, okay, so in a moment we, we'll be going on to a break again, and after the break we'll come back and uh, we'll talk about those categories. Just mention them again, social. Sure. Self-awareness, self-management, self-awareness, yes. yeah. social awareness, 
and relationship management. Okay. We'll, so, and we'll briefly yeah. talk about the, the sub-dimensions of each, of each one of those categories. All right. We'll have a few minutes after our break, and uh, we'll come back to that. I just want to remind people that we have had some calls coming in, and we've had some emails coming in as well about the show this morning and uh, if you feel that you'd like to just after the break we'll take uh, some more calls or as well as just talk about the subcategories of emotional intelligence so that uh, makes sense for everybody thank you very much Scott for for talking about that you know these are areas that people in business in the hurly-burly and the challenge of the day-to-day job I'm not sure exactly how to go about doing this, so the insights that you're giving us today make a, a huge difference in understanding um, a different perspective, a completely different perspective as to how we can affect the atmosphere and the culture in a small business or even a very large business. So let's take our break right now and we'll come back afterwards and we will discuss those what you call sub uh, subdivisions of emotional intelligence. We'll be back in a moment, folks. Please stay with us. Good morning, everybody. Again, we're back in the last segment of our show, and we're talking with Dr. Scott Clark, a businessman in San Diego, and we're discussing the subject of emotional intelligence, a factor that uh, counts very deeply in, um, in leadership in business, vital element. And we've had a couple of callers in, and so we're just going to briefly talk about now what are some of the segments or the the understandings of emotional intelligence, and some of the categories that are involved. Sure, sure. I want to cover this. It's, a, it's an important part of the subject. Um, the, um, the important uh, thing to remember uh, that leaders do, one of their key roles is to uh, lead with, resonance, leave people resonating with good feelings about what they're doing, how they're going to do it, and the success that they can generate uh, for the organization and the satisfaction that they're going to generate for themselves, as opposed to um, a, I'll say an authoritarian figure, um, creating dissonance, which is just the opposite. Dissonance usually results in anger and fear, all those negative emotions that are so distracting and so destructive, not only individually and personally, but but to the organization in terms of lost productivity and lost opportunities, etc. So uh, with that in mind, uh, let's talk about the four categories or the four dimensions of emotional intelligence, starting out with self-awareness. Self-awareness is, uh, is the foundation, really, of leadership. Uh, people who are in leadership positions, need to know uh, a lot about themselves. <clears throat> they need to know their strengths and weaknesses, uh, what they value, and uh, what motivates them. Uh, they need to be able to read their own emotions and recognize the impact those emotions are having on what they're doing and, uh, and, and the impact uh, of their emotions on other people. Uh, they'll develop a sense of, of intuition, that gut sense that tells you that you're either on the right track or you're not on the right track, even though you've analyzed all the data for a given situation and the data is telling you to do uh, one thing, perhaps your gut, your intuitive sense is telling you that it just doesn't feel right. 
and uh, you're probably going to want to proceed very cautiously if you proceed at all down that path that the data is, is directing you to. And, uh, uh, and of course, self-awareness includes a, a realistic sense of, of self-worth and what your capabilities are. Um, that leads into the next category, which is uh, self-management. Self-management flows from self Just getting back to intuition for a moment, I just, I mean, that's a, a subject that many people don't even consider as being that high, uh, you know, in, in the scale of leadership qualities. But that intuition and the expression of that intuition and that turning into that inner uh, voice that tells us what we should be doing is absolutely vital. So um, I really go along with that. Thank you. What yeah, think absolutely. Um, and uh, under this heading of, of self-management, uh, and, and recognizing that it obviously stems from, from a well-developed sense of self-awareness, um, you'll be able to control any, uh, any disruptive emotions that may be coming your way. Sometimes it's difficult. We all have difficult times where, where we've had uh, tragedies in our personal lives or there's something going on within, within the organization or events that were totally beyond our control. I mean, uh, uh, you know, 9-11 being... An, an extreme example of that, and there's some some very inspiring just, stories. And as you say, personal tragedies that occur from day to day in, in people's lives. That's right, and being aware of that, uh, right, and, and being attuned to that. Uh, part of self management is being. We touched on this earlier. Being uh, uh, ever enthusiastic, upbeat, and optimistic whenever you possibly can. Obviously, if you're, so you're suggesting that, that if right. we do have tragedies, we we can't even bring those things to work because it's almost like a virus that just infects everybody. Well, I, I, saying? I agree with that, but uh, at the same time, people want to be in touch with the authentic person in you as a leader. Of course. And if, and if so you're how going do we balance those? That, if you're going through that uh, that time in your life, and we all do, um, you know, it's, it's it's okay to be human and let people know that you're having a hard time. And if you've got good relationships built up within organizations, they're going to understand that and recognize it. That twelve, uh, you know, that person, you're just not going to be as enthusiastic or optimistic at that moment in your life. And people will understand that. I think um, this idea of authenticity in your personal, right. it's in your beliefs and actions, and coming across that way to people is uh, is very very appreciated, and, and it right. certainly goes a long ways to building that level of trust. So important in organizations and unfortunately, uh, so often missing in many organizations. That authenticity, absolutely vital element. I know that working in Europe, they value that extremely highly. I mean, that, that's that's the one way they judge. We don't have very many more minutes to go, Scott, so I wonder if we just briefly Let me, talk about... Let me get through this real quickly here. Uh, the right. third category is social awareness. That of, that with the heading, heading by, uh, with the header being the ability to emphasize with other people. Being in right. tune with their feelings. Uh, when it really works well, you know, we feel like we're on the same wavelength. We get that uh, that feeling that we've known somebody for quite a while, and uh, it's, it's usually a wonderful feeling. Uh, people will actually uh, uh, resonate uh, off of each other. We can actually affect each other's uh, physiological systems, their, their, uh, their cardiovascular system, their, right. their hormonal system, et cetera when we do it at a very deep level, uh, just to make the point. Uh, last category is, is one that's uh, referred to as relationship management, and it really encompasses the other three. It's, uh, uh, when you do that well, leaders do that well, 
they have a, a wide circle of of uh, people that they can call on, a, a web of relationships, if you will. Right. Uh, recognize that nothing important gets done alone. Right. And Scott, uh, would you just would you just summarize the the four points again, and we'll leave that as as the sort of lost memory of of this talk absolutely. that we've had today. Self awareness. Yeah. Self management. Social awareness and relationship management. Excellent. Everything stems from personal awareness. Thank you. Leaders work on that part of themselves. Many of these other things will pretty much fall into line. They all need work. They all need attention. Right. It's a process. You never uh, finish it, and uh, the results can right. be astounding. Thank you so much, Scott. Really enjoyed having you on the show this morning and for bringing us this uh, vital element of leadership that's not very often discussed, um, and it has been very enlightening for us and actually very inspiring. I just want to tell listeners this morning that, um, I, I know actually I say this morning, although many of you are listening at 6 o'clock in the evening or 7 o'clock in the evening in different parts of the world, uh, that if you want more information on that, go to my website, Terry. Uh, it's uh, Terry, well, you can write to me at Terry at QLCats.com or just go to the website at QLCats, Q for uh, quantum, L for leap.com, and we'll be able to give you more information and certainly be happy to chat to you about that. So go to my website and uh, we can get into contact with each other. Next week, our guest is going to be Finno Fure. He comes in from Malmo in Sweden, and he's going to be talking to us about vision in business and how we can make it real and tangible. So I look forward to meeting you soon. Good morning to those of you in the United States. Good afternoon to those of you that are on the east side, and uh, good evening to those people that are in Europe and other countries around the world. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.